Hello and welcome to the podcast of the Lotus Eaters, episode 681 on today, Thursday the 22nd of June 2023. I'm your host Connor, joined us by Cole. Hello. Um, today we're discussing the Muslim woke alliance fracturing, how Christian backlash works, actually, and how they're not just evil, they're also stupid. Man, that video riled me up. We'll be talking about it later. Yeah. For those, those that haven't seen it outside the UK... We knew what they were doing. It's just even more annoying to see it. Yeah. But without further ado, let's jump into the topics. So it looks like the Muslim Woke Alliance is not just fracturing, but over, actually. Oh, wonderful. Uh, it looks like the Muslims have essentially pulled out of the alliance with the intersectionals saying, hang on a second, we're not up for queering children, actually, uh, which is not terribly surprising, actually. Yeah, one, though, one would might think that these things would be incompatible. Yeah, if you knew anything about Islam, then you probably would have seen this coming. Uh, as Someone like Julius Avola would have predicted, in fact. Now, Julius Avola, very uh, right-wing and traditionalist, mm. and has some thoughts about lots of things, particularly the modern world. But also, what's interesting is his glowing praise of Islam. Yes, I did watch this. Um, I have some <laughs> objections. I, Obviously, I feel as like, a Christian, you would. Yeah, like, I, f I feel like our Is Jesus Christ a Socialist podcast went in one ear and out the other a little bit, because I wouldn't characterise Christianity as lunar. I would actually characterise... Particularly, I'm, I, look, I'm not saying I, I, I characterise it that way. I'm saying Evola characterises it that way. Okay? Well, as, as a gay man, he would. I'm sure he would. But the, the point is, that was his perspective, not mine. Yep. I was just accurately representing him. But the point is, he's got nothing but stunning praise for Islam. Yeah. Nothing but condemnation for left-wing ideology. Mm -hmm. And uh, it shouldn't be much of a surprise that uh, the Muslims are not happy actually, with the progressives. Uh, and in fact, there's a long history of problems that we can just go through. Go through. So it begins uh, with things like this, where you've got, you know, queers against Islamophobia. Do you remember when Miley Yiannopoulos did a uh, campus talk? It would have been cut up in one of the SJW cringe compilations of where he said the queers for Palestine was one of the most idiotic groups on the face of the planet because yeah. they're self-negating. That's like turkeys for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. the thing is, I think Lauren Southern got banned for saying uh, Allah is gay, yes. which is something that comes up in a minute, in fact. Uh, but the point is, this alliance is obviously not long for this world, mm. uh, because Muslims are actually not fans of homosexuality. Um, Pew Research did uh, the polling across the Muslim world, and uh, they've got a section in here that talks about what Muslims believe to be morally right and wrong. Mm. And 88% of all Muslims on the entire face of the earth think that homosexuality is morally impermissible. That is reflected in the laws of their countries. Yes, and 90-something percent of them are for Sharia law, so it's you can just generally say Muslims are just not in favour. This is the one, in fact, hmm. where you can see the, the most permissive place is South Asia, where 79% think that homosexuality is morally wrong, hmm. uh, but then you've got Middle East and North Africa, 93%, Sub-Saharan Africa, 91%, Southeast Asia, 95%, Central Asia... 85%, look at those liberals. Mm. You know, 85% of them are like, no, homosexuality is wrong in every case. So just saying, anyone who knew anything about Islam could see that an Islam gay alliance yeah. probably wasn't going to last forever. Yeah, they're, they're hardly going to be doing the predator hand. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, I mean, this has been going on for ages, the, uh, you know, queers for Palestine. Uh, because on the other side, you've got ex-Muslims who are like, well, hang on, aren't we a persecuted minority? And it's like, well, yeah, mm. but you're not part of the progressive hegemony for some reason. Uh, and so a few years ago in 2017, uh, Ma uh, Mariam Namazi and uh, a bunch of other progressive ex-Muslims went to uh, a nice parade, had some very politically correct signs. Hmm. Again, this got Lauren Southern banned from Britain. Yeah, so, so one might suggest that the alliance was expedient for a time because it might have been the concept of Takia. Now I'm not sure which exact. I don't. Th I don't think it's. I don't think it goes that deep, to be honest, because I think it was just politically convenient for the immigrants to be immigrants mm. and therefore benefit from the status of being immigrants. And now that status is less coveted. They're like, well, actually, we're going to be be lean into the Muslim identity. And the Muslim identity isn't a big fan of statements like this. No, but even even within the Muslim paradigm, there are certain sects which might mean that they can subordinate their commitment to some tenets of Islam to advance the overall goals of Islam. But when members of the Islamic community are doing this, they're also seeing that, okay, we're, we're maybe jumping the shark and going a bit too far here, and we have mm -hmm. to shore up our boundaries of what actually constitutes our value system. 
Yeah, I mean, some of these uh, placards are pretty extreme. Uh, F, Islamic homophobia. East London Mosque incites murder of LGBT. Right. So as you can see, it is from a progressive frame mm. that they are attacking Islam. And almost any honest reading of the progressive frame would render Islam as a deeply homophobic religion. Mm. Uh, just ask what they think should happen to the people of Lot. Uh, but the, uh, the critique here was, quote, these placards are something the EDL or Nazis would carry. I don't think Nazis would carry pro-LGBT anti-Islam placards. No. No. Well, maybe, maybe who was the fellow that ran the uh, pre-SS that was caught in bed with a boy? That's about oh, it. Oh, I have and no he was, idea. He was, he was shot. Other than that, probably not. Yeah, no, I don't, uh, I don't think so. But, uh, but this is a pride parade, remember? And uh, they say, uh, how are they even allowed on the parade? This goes against everything pride stands for. That's it. It's appalling to see that Mariam Namazi's group got away with it. Uh, and so the East London Mosque, obviously, if you go to the next one, they came out and were like, well, hang on a second. We demand an apology for saying that Allah is gay. <laughs> Our track record for challenging homophobia in East London is quite well known. Is it? That's interesting. Uh, for us to see such a mainstream event that is supposed to celebrate tolerance and love used as a hate platform is really quite shocking. So you can see they're using the weapons of ideological warfare, the progressives wield mm. against the progressives. Wow, this was inevitable. Our religion doesn't promote hatred or homophobia. Yes, there might be theological topics dealing with homosexual homosexuality in Islam, but that's very clearly separate from promoting hatred and homophobia. This is the Frank Herbert from Dune thing, isn't it? When when I am oh, yes. weak, I will appeal to tolerance and mercy because it's yeah. according to your principles. When I'm strong, I will crush you because it's according to my principles. I think the crushing might have started. Well, what I love about this is like, look, Islam doesn't promote homophobia. It just says it's totally banned. It just says that- <laughs> We're not scared of you, just it, don't like you. It's just put put the, the one who does it and the one to whom it is done to death. Yeah. That's literally the, the injunction, the Quranic injunction on homosexuality. <clears throat> but that's clearly very separate from promoting hatred and homophobia. What are you talking about? Like, it's like, wow, that's just such a reach. But uh, anyway, uh, Mariam Nuazi was like, well, hang on a second, we're being censored. We're being silenced. We get the next one, John. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's going to happen. That's what they will do. And uh, of course, in this case, Mariam Nuazi became the, uh, the outsider, the exile. Can't be Islamophobic. Not on Pride Day. Not in Pride Month. On the sacred month of Pride Adan. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Islamophobia. It, it, it does Come have on. a liturgical calendar. It does. It's saints and martyrs, yeah. Anyway, in 2018, progressive Muslims, quote unquote, there are such things apparently, uh, they tried to square the circle. Uh, and so they were like, well, hang on a second. Uh, on the surface, London Pride celebrates the city as a place of LGBT equality. But this external display of inclusion belies the core that is routed in exclusion. I'm sorry. I, I, I love current year ESG yeah. images. Barclays sponsoring yeah, Pride. Yeah. After after the 2008 financial collapse. But that's the out. Just that that's no no, but that's the out. I know it is. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a PR campaign. No, 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 no. That's the out that the progressive Muslims are using. Right. Literally. Like they say, well Pride feels more like an ode to capitalism than a fight for civil rights. You let them in. You took their money. Mm. <laughs> I, f I personally find it troubling that neoliberal ideology is the generator of LGBT rights. As a gay person, well, where's it get where else is it going to come from? As a gay person of Muslim heritage, the inescapable secularism of pride makes me anxious. Well, what could an Islamic Pride Month look like? How would you draw from the Quran to justify it? Yeah, they are incompatible traditions. So, when Western capitalism is painted as a haven for gay rights, I experience a friction between the Muslim and queer parts of my identity. Well, yeah, because they're incompatible. But if, if Western capitalism didn't exist, would that friction not still be there? Probably of not. It would be. Well, probably not, because there might not have been a queer identity to have been generated. Fair, fair point. But assuming that there was. Um, oh, yes, I forget. It's all born this way. Yes, uh, and the, they say this is particularly sensitive in a context where, for instance, a large number of gay men in Paris voted for Marine Le Pen in 2017, persuaded that her rhetoric, by her rhetoric that Islam was a threat to civic liberties for homosexuals. They also may have just seen videos of the type that Eric Zemmour was tweeting out yesterday. I should have got up the map of where homosexuality is punishable by death. Mm. Weirdly, it's all Islamic countries. Mm. 
Anyway, Jess Phillips in 2019, of course, that was in 2018. In 2019, Jess Phillips was at loggerheads with the Muslim community of Birmingham Yardley, who were in the right when they were saying, well, hang on a second. And in, in their defense, the Muslim community actually appealed to British law, saying, well, hang on a second, we get a say in our child's education. Mm. We are conservatives. We do not want you teaching this woke gay propaganda to our children. And uh, Jess Phillips went out there, told them that they were bad people for being Muslim, uh, in, not in so many words, of course. And, uh, and she ended up having to back down on that. And they took out the homosexual propaganda from the children's schools. So good job. Results have been uh, have been have been taken. Uh, the next one, May twenty twenty two, just at another university where uh, an image, uh, <laughs> the image posted on the school's Instagram account to mark the International Day Against Homophobia, Transphobia, and Biphobia, was met with a firestorm of criticism from people who were offended by the imagery. The post said that this was inappropriate and disrespectful because the hijab, an Islamic veil, has religious and spiritual connotations, and they had obviously used a rainbow hijab. Yeah, this is quite interesting as well because uh, they've they've been doing this for quite a while. In a cartoon called Young Justice, they resurrected it ten years later, and they brought in a canonically straight white female character and made her an amnesiac Muslim immigrant who was then non-binary and a lesbian. Well, that's a complicated series of identities. Yeah, it went down like a cup of cold sick, as yeah. I'm sure you can imagine. <laughs> so uh, one one person wrote, "Shame on you." Uh, shame on you, Western, for such an insulting mockery post to my religion. Can we can we get the image up in the last article, please, John? There we go. Yeah, I mean, I'm not not surprised that you know Muslims are not happy with this. No, because I know what Islam is about. Uh, anyway, so what happens when Muslims are put in control of Western institutions? Do they respect LGBTQ? Do they protect it? Do they say, you know what? Yeah, you had our back. We're going to have your back. Tolerance is. Not on the high list of virtues, no. No, I mean, this is one example. Um, from a Michigan local city council uh, in suburban Detroit has uh, apparently got an almost entirely Muslim constituency and they have an entirely Muslim council. And so they're like, yeah, so we're banning LGBT flags, which is very based, isn't it? This should be the case in every state capital and every state and every government building across the US and all of its weird little satellite states and military camps. Yeah, Hamtrak, Hamtramck, I think I'm pronouncing that right, City Council voted that uh, the, only flag, the only flags would be allowed is the prisoner of war flag. I don't know what the prisoner of war flag is. Uh, along with those representing city, state, America, and any other nations representing the native countries of immigrant residents. Right, so that's an issue. Colony. Yes. It's a little colony of Middle Easterners in Michigan. And they're voting to ban the gays. Uh, this only applies to city flagpoles, businesses and residents. Uh, city flagpoles, of mm. course, you know, because that's their remit. Businesses and residents can fly any other flags they want. Uh, and so uh, this was not taken well by the uh, LGBT community in Michigan, but we'll come back to them in a minute because let's go to let's go to some other ones first. Uh, you've got the uh, the twin par uh, Muslim and Christian parents uh, fighting against what they describe as groomers in uh, Can Canadian schools. Uh, as you you noticed, sort of strong Gimli and Legolas vibes here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> did you ever imagine fighting side by side with a Muslim? No. But I can imagine fighting side by side with a friend. I exactly. Uh, and in Vienna, there was a Muslim terror attack planned on a pride parade that was foiled. Um, this was a group of teenagers that had a bunch of knives and axes and apparently were allegedly planning an attack on the parade. The police stopped them. Thank goodness. The suspects were aged between 14 and 20. Blimey, the far right really are recruiting young, aren't they? Yeah. Um, uh, and so thank God that was stopped. But you can see that they have been like, hmm. What do we? What are we going to target? And they've chosen the Pride Parade specifically for reasons that I think are fairly evident. Uh, coming back to Britain, uh, a local Yorkshire mayor, a place called Keeley in Yorkshire, which I looked up the census data is forty-one percent Pakistani. Right. Uh, uh, apologized recently for taking part in a Pride event. Who's he apologizing to? Who is Mohammed Nazam apologizing to for taking part in a Pride event? He says, I write this post today to offer my sincerest apologies for my recent actions, to express my deep regret for any offence or harm caused. A few days ago, I love the idea that he raises a pride flag and there's harm and offence caused. Perfect. 
A few days ago, I was tasked with the duty of raising a pride flag in the Keeley Town Centre, a responsibility traditionally carried out by the town mayor, the traditional raising of the pride flag. <laughs> Goes back centuries. God, shut up. I deeply regret not carrying out the due diligence for the duties associated with the role I assumed as the town mayor for this year. I wholeheartedly apologise for my participation in the flag-raising ceremony, as it contradicts my personal religious beliefs, as many of you are aware. I want to emphasise, again, like, I'm a Muslim, I can't support pride, is literally what he's saying here, right? I want to emphasise that I've also personally represented, uh, repented for this error and reflected deeply on the consequences of my actions. Looking back, I realise I should have respectfully declined the request at the time. While I'm unwavering in my commitment to uphold my deeply rooted religious beliefs as a faithful Muslim, I want to emphasise that I actively support and promote tolerance for individuals of all faiths, creeds and colours as my faith, the law and the land requires me to do. That's interesting. All faiths, creeds yep. and colours. Now, creed, maybe you could say belief system, but yep. unless you're counting gender ideology as a kind of it's a creed. doctrine akin to a religion, yeah. it wasn't included genders there. He didn't go down the full spectrum of, of the Equality Act. Mm. So he is actively excluding the mm. consideration of non-sex-based gender identities from his grovelling apology. It is a grovelling apology again. Once again, I express my deepest apologies for any harm caused. I love the idea that we can say, no, raising pride flag has harm as a component now. It's akin to a declaration of war. Ha harm is caused by the raising of pride flags. I agree with Mohammed here. Yep. He makes a great point. Maybe maybe if you're progressive, you want to go talk to Mohammed about that. <laughs> Let's ask him. So a uh, local MP for, for, uh, for Keeley uh, was like, uh, maybe you should step down, bro. Shouldn't we? You can't be the mayor of a Yorkshire town if you're not going to raise this pride flag, as tradition states, as you have said. Like, if you're in favour of, of not raising this flag, then you're just an evil bigot. Conservative MP, yeah. We'll get to it. Uh, <laughs> Keeley MP Robbie Moore uh, was critical of Councillor Nizam's comments, calling on him to apologise and consider his position. Well, he did apologise to the Muslim community, not to the gay community. He certainly considered his position. Now. Yeah, he certainly did. I was exceptionally proud to join Keeley Pride team for the raising of the flag in Keeley's Town Square, Hall Square. Everyone should be free to love who they choose and be who they are. Love is love, said, Count, uh, said MP Robbie Moore. Love is love. No, what you don't need to think about it any more than that. Uh, I disagree and reject uh, disagree and reject the mayor's comments. I am proud to live in a country where people can be who they want to be and are free to choose who they love. So who's Robbie Moore? Yeah, he is the Conservative MP for, for West Yorkshire. It's also tiresome. Also, he's, he's one of Boris's Lib Dems. You're, you're free who you want to be. Right, well, that man is now identifying as homophobic, so you have to <laughs> leave him alone. Yeah, exactly, I'm sorry. You have to tolerate him, don't you? You know, you're the one who's promoting tolerance, not him. Mm. So yeah, he's uh, he's one of Boris's Lib Dems. Got in twenty nineteen. Uh, very progressive, conservative right. man. I think I think this whole tolerance campaign is just a Trojan horse strategy to prevent Kick a Ginger Day from coming back. Oof. So uh, anyway, there is a deep sense of betrayal from the left about the Muslim community, which is just beautifully encapsulated in this article. This article, we're going to go through this in detail because this is all just one hundred percent pure gold. You're going to love this, right? So they say in 2015, many liberal going back to Ham Hamtramck, Michigan. Uh, like I said, we, we come back to it because this is just so worth it, right? In 2015, many liberal residents in Hamtramck, Michigan, celebrated as their city attracted international attention for becoming the first in the United States to elect a Muslim majority city council. Now it's an entirely Muslim-run city council, and it just got more progressive from there. They viewed the power shift and diversity as symbolic but a meaningful rebuke of the Islamophobic rhetoric that was the central theme of then-Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump's campaign. Suck it, Trump. We're electing the Muslims to support diversity and advance progressivism, and you're not going to do a thing about it. Turns out that Trump was the strongest ally you had after all. It turns out it's weird, I mean, isn't he, it? he was technically the first president to take office supporting gay marriage, so, you know, yes, he, Donald has his faults. This week, many of those same residents watched in dismay. Now, as a fully Muslim and socially conservative city council, how could this have happened? Who could have predicted this? How could it have been known in advance? This was such a wild revelation. We didn't see it coming. If we elected nothing but Muslims to the city council, it became, quote, socially conservative, right? But anyway, they passed legislation banning pride flags from being flown on city property that had, like many others being flown around the country, been intended to celebrate the LGBTQ plus community. For what? Wow. What do, what do you deserve celebration for? Who knows? But who can believe that the Muslims are like, we don't celebrate that. We're not doing that. 
But we, Theresa May was reading out her favourite Quranic verses. I don't I, understand. <laughs> Muslim residents packing the city hall erupted in cheers after the council's unanimous vote. <laughs> Just... You had this coming. You, you courted this, you brought it in, and now that you've put it in charge, it's doing what we said it would do all along. You deserve this. I'm enjoying watching you re realize these people are not your friends, right? So uh, there has been, on, the, on Hamtramp's social media pages, the taunting has been rel relentless, but I can't read out what the taunting is. No, uh, uh, cigaretteless city. Yes, which is pretty bad, don't you think, right? In a tense monologue before the vote, Council Member Mohammed Hassan, just average American, uh, shouted his justification at LGBTQ plus supporters. I'm working for the people, what the majority of the people like. Representation matters. This is, a, this is just democracy in action. This is the majority of the people getting what they voted for. Don't you agree with democracy? You knew I was a scorpion before you took me on your back. There's a sense of betrayal, says the former Hamtrank mayor, Cowan Majowski, who is a Polish-American who has converted to Islam. Very interesting. Karen Majowski. We support... Listen to this. We supported you when you were threatened, and now our rights are threatened, and you're the ones doing the threatening. It's the Frank Herbert Dune quote in reverse. It literally is. That's one to one. <coughs> it's, it's just incredible, isn't it? <laughs> okay. You were warned... <laughs> You were told. Remember Donald Trump literally banned Muslims from America. <laughs> well, yeah, he used, I, I think he used Obama's terrorist no-fly list and he just yeah. upheld it. And, yeah. And then... Like eight different Muslim countries that yeah. they couldn't come from. And uh, you were like, no, that's evil. Joe Biden repealed that. Uh, okay, well, now you have a Muslim majority town, uh, well, probably city, I don't know. But uh, town or city, I don't know how big Hamtrank is actually. But, um, but the point is, they have now voted themselves in and now they're voting you out, and you're like, well, our, we supported you. Maybe you shouldn't. Love is love, says the drowning toad. <laughs> For about a century, Polish and Ukrainian Catholics dominated politics in Hamtrank, a city of, sorry, is a city of 28,000 surrounded by Detroit. By 2013, largely Muslim Bangladeshi and Yemeni immigrants supplanted the white Eastern Europeans, though the city remains home to significant populations of these groups, as well as African-Americans, whites and Bosnians, and Amer Albanian-Americans. Right, so whites and Bosnians and Albanians. This is interesting. This is an interesting demarcation <laughs> because this is something that we've been doing recently in the UK, not us, but our, yeah. our media class. <coughs> uh, they've been parceling out the Albanian migrants from consideration as white European just because they're Muslim. Yeah, although, of course, Albanians are white Europeans. Yeah. Um, According to the 2020 census, some 30 to 38% of Hamtrank's residents are of Yemeni descent, 24% are of Asian descent, and largely Bangladeshi, giving it a Muslim-majority voting bloc. Um, it's almost like they're saying they got replaced. This is something that the former feminists have been pointing out fairly recently, particularly Louise Perry. And she said, okay, well, if you thought Christian patriarchy was bad, girls... It's going to get a lot worse. Imagine what post-Christian patriarchy is going to be like. Yep. It's going to be a hell of a lot like pre-Christian patriarchy, and you're not even going to have the ability to complain like you do now. And this would suggest she's right. Put on your burqa. They say, after several years of diversity on the council, some see irony in an all-male Muslim elected government that does not reflect the city's makeup. Aren't, uh, diversity means non-white, so aren't 100%, you know, uh, brown male that's 100% diverse now, isn't it? I think their complaint would be that there's no women there. However... Good point. Uh, that, well, Islam would preclude female representation in government, so you, you, you get what you deserve, I suppose. Yep. There is an overreaction to the situation, and some people are not willing to accept the fact they lost, says uh, the uh, councilman in charge here, the mayor in charge here. Uh, and uh, he's referring to Majowski, and the recent elections, uh, which gave full control of the council to the Muslim politicians. Though the city's Muslims are not a monolith, and some privately told the Guardian they were frustrated with the council, the only leader to public, publicly question the former city uh, uh, council member uh, was the Polish-American woman who converted to Islam. Uh, but Majowski said the majority is now disrespecting the minority. Is it? Is the Muslim majority now disrespecting the minority? Hmm. That's fascinating. That's really Islamophobic. 
I mean, people said that right up until now when you, a white woman, are saying it. And you're like, well, hang on a second. Now it's happening to me. And I can't, no, no, you're an Islamophobe. You're a bigot. Be quiet. We don't need to hear from you. That's what you said right up until this point. Do you, oh, anyway. Uh, she noted that uh, the white Christian majority city council in 2005 created an ordinance to allow the Muslim call to prayer to be broadcast from the city's mosques five times daily. That was your first mistake. It did so over objections of the white city residents, and Majowski said she didn't see the same re reciprocity with the roles reversed. No kidding. It's not about reciprocity. It's always about hierarchy. It's literally the Frank Herbert Dune quote. It's literally... And the, the, the white city residents, were, before they were replaced by the Middle Easterners, were like, well, hang on a second, we don't want that. And they go, no, 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 this is not... Democracy doesn't work with the majority getting what they want. You're going to do what the minority wants because that's progressive. We're going to give the immigrants representation, don't you understand? And now the immigrants have got the most representation. You don't get what you want. That's just amazing. Uh, but uh, anyway... The, uh, they say, moreover, the white majority council was not always hospitable to the Muslim residents who have previously faced overt racism. Well, that was, the, that was the problem, wasn't it? Now they're not facing overt racism. What now? And with a Muslim majority council in place, more Muslims have been appointed to boards and commissions and hired in City Hall. They are just going to take what they want, they're going to promote their own, and you don't get a say. And in fact, there was some giant orange prophet who said something about this. He, he did warn about this sort of thing uh, at one of his rallies, reading a poem. Can we play that poem, John? You're so beautiful, she cried. But if I hadn't brought you in by now, oh heavens, you would have died. She stroked his pretty skin again and kissed him and held him tight. But instead of saying thank you, that snake gave her a vicious bite. Take me in, O oh tender woman. Take me in, for heaven's sake. Take me in, O oh tender woman. Side the vicious sake. I have saved you, cried the woman, and you've bitten me, heavens, why? You know your bite is poisonous, and now I'm going to die. Oh, shut up, silly woman, said the reptile with a grin. You knew damn well I was a snake before you took me in. Karen Majowski. I'll leave that there. Really is like you could have seen it coming, isn't it? It's 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 amazing how perfectly this has played out, though. It's just been so perfect. So like, no, we want as many Muslims because you're an Islamophobe, and now look, we've got them in charge with representation, diversity, and now they've banned gays. What? <laughs> <laughs> like, just anyway. Well, speaking of religious tolerance, the intersexual coalition isn't working out quite how they'd hoped. We've already had the Muslims fighting the gays, now we're getting the Hispanic Catholics fighting the gays. Good, good job, lads. Well done. And, of and course, when, when we say it's the gays, it's not. It's the progressive activists, LGBT. Sure. Right? So there, are, there are gay Republicans, there are gay people on the sure. you know, all they, sides of these. They've things. been Just involuntarily be conscripted into the LGBT acronym. Involuntarily conscripted. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm going to cover some wins today, particularly because recently we have been told to take a liberal, non-faith-based approach to protest. To be honest with you, I view the Islamic takeover of Hamtrak a, a little win. <laughs> well, I'll put it this way. Um, having discord sown among the intersectional stack is yeah. useful for slowing down its goals, but yes. we are going to have to deal with the incompatible vision of the future at some point. The same thing with the, yeah. with yeah. the TERFs. Yeah. So they're not necessarily our allies, whereas I would put the Hispanic Catholics and the like that we're going to see soon very squarely in that box. And I don't know if yeah, everyone would. would do so. If you'd like to watch some of the rest of our content, I mean, this was a free live stream exclusive to Rumble, but £5 a month helps us keep the lights on and you can get all of our premium stuff. But I'd like to draw your attention to this stream that Harry and I did last Friday, and it was on James Lindsay's critiques of Christian nationalism. Mm. Now, 
I think we gave James a fair and charitable outline, or at least I attempted to. Mm. I, I had nothing but are. good responses to this, actually. You from didn't people read the comments who, then. <laughs> from, well, from, from people who, well, I mean, yeah, I haven't, I haven't actually, but I've seen, you know, people on Twitter was talking about it. And they, they were saying, wow, you actually really did fairly characterize James's position. Here. I, so I think good. there were quite a few comments ahead of the stream that were going to be apprehensive, saying James was totally right about Christian nationalism being a psyop. And then by the conclusion of the stream, some people had changed their minds hmm. because we did say there is a self-awareness and disagreement over the definition of what Christian nationalism is. Right. Some are more civic nationalists, some like Stephen Wolfe would like an actual American monarchy, which I don't think is going to happen yeah, anytime soon. But no, no, not in anyone's lifetime. But I think part of it was that James's objections are more principally with Christianity than it is just Christian nationalism. Hmm. And one of the things he said following the Tennessee school shooting was we should not have a Christian reaction to these things. So you're telling the Christians to abandon their principles and de facto only have your liberal secular objections to woke intersectional socialism yeah. by default. And that's going to cause some discord from within. And I'd like to put forth with the following coverage that actually the Christians are quite useful at fighting back. So the first thing we're going to go to is, is this Forbes article on the LA Dodgers, because the LA Dodgers decided to reverse their decision to disinvite the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence from their Pride celebration. Now, they do a Pride night every year. I mean, it's literally Slaneshi cultists, isn't it? Yeah. So Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence are parodying nuns. Yeah, obviously. And have been since 1979 from San Francisco to supposedly destigmatize AIDS. <coughs> You're going to dress okay. up and, and make sordid a symbol of sexual chastity in order to destigmatize something that you only get from intravenous drug use or promiscuous sex. Right. Right? Great idea. Yeah, that definitely didn't upset any of the Christians whatsoever. So the Dodgers had previously announced it would remove the sisters from its honor honorees on May the 17th, citing, quote, strong feelings of people who have been offended by the sisters' inclusion. The American Civil Liberties Union of Southern California and LA Pride then subsequently pulled out of the Dodgers' Pride Night, so they then went back on their disinvitation. The San Francisco Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence chapter voiced its offence and outrage at the removal of the Los Angeles chapter on Thursday, alleging the Dodgers capitulated in response to hateful and misleading information from people outside their community. Oh, yeah? I love how it's always just this condescending charge of misinformation. Hmm. When you see them doing something, they say they're doing something, and you say, hey, that you're doing that thing, I don't like it. And they go, well, you're just misinformed. Yeah, It's fine. If, yeah. if you actually studied the Bible more closely, you would see why Jesus is wearing fishnet tights. <laughs> not a chance in hell. There are, there are many Revelations verses which I would direct you towards as to your fate. So if we can go to this next one. There was a Washington Nationals pitcher called Trevor Williams who called upon his followers to boycott the game. And and he gave a rather tepid renunciation, but it snowballed since. And he said, As a devout Catholic, I'm deeply troubled by the Dodgers' decision to reinvite and honour the group, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, at Pride Night this year. A Major League Baseball game is a place where people from all walks of life should feel welcomed, something I greatly respect and support. This is the purpose of different themed nights hosting by the organisation, including Pride Night, to invite and honour a group that makes a blatant and deeply offensive mockery of my religion, and the religion of over 4 million people in Los Angeles County alone undermines the values of respect and inclusivity that should be upheld by any organization. Creating an environment in which one group feels celebrated and honored at the expense of another is counterproductive and wrong. It is a clear violation of the Dodgers discrimination policy, which explicitly states that any conduct or attire at the ballpark that is deemed to be indecent or prejudiced against any particular group or religion is not tolerated. Mm -hmm. Now, the issue with this is that it fails to comprehend, as the progressives did in your prior segment, the incompatibilities between all of the traditions that you're trying to have in your melting pot coexisting. Because the Muslims are far more violently intolerant in many places around the world. Shall we say more outspoken about it? Um, yes, outspoken in the US, violently intolerant in many countries around the world regarding the LGBT LMNP acronym. The Catholics... Well, they take the position of go forth and sin no more, whereas actually the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence's slogan is go forth and sin some more. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, they're literally called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Just Yeah, that we, we, we don't quite values align. And so these groups are, by nature of their existence, incompatible. So you can't bring them together in the same place. I mean, they're a deliberate contradiction of Christian religion. Yes. And even the LGBT celebration, even if you didn't invite this particular group which makes a mockery of nuns, the LGBT acronym 
contains within it identities that posit that gender is flexible. And the Christian religion does not agree with that. They do not agree that God can get it wrong. So trying to have these groups coexist is an impossible enterprise. And so it led to, to this. Um, turns out, and this is from the LA Times' coverage, that there have been large-scale protests of thousands of people gathering outside the Dodgers Stadium on the Pride Night, and they prevented people from getting in and watching the performance. Mm. So the Archdiocese of Los Angeles said the sisters desecrate the cross, profane the Eucharist, and disrupt Holy Mass, and has caused dis disappointment, dismay, and pain among the Catholic community. And so thousands of protesters gathered outside. Among this was Alex Villavena, the former Hispanic Democrat Los Angeles County Sheriff, who said he gave up tickets behind home plate for Thursday's Dodgers game because he said, hey, thanks but no thanks, we're going to stand on principle. This is a Hispanic Democrat, yep. one of their core voting constituencies, yep. and they're attempting to have them in the same intersectional coalition to win elections, Wow! and the fault lines are opening up. I can't believe they're not in favour of pride. Mm. Well, if we want to see the turnout, if we can go to the next one. This is Savannah Hernandez. The crowd is sizable, and yep. they don't all look like American History X white supremacists to me, given <laughs> lots of the spot signs are in Spanish. They, they, they. <laughs> there are a lot of women there as well. Yeah, yep. Like, and yeah, lots of lots of uh, South Americans or Central Americans. Yep. Um, mostly, I would actually say. Yep, and I would say this is a this is a good example of of American integration because they're yeah, clearly yeah, yeah, yeah. celebrating the spirit of the found, founding more than the San Franciscans are. But but well done. If we go to this next one, they were walking down the street with T-shirts just saying "Leave our kids alone." I might suggest that any doctrine which objects to that statement mm. is the problem, rather yep. than parents saying our children are sacred and under our jurisdiction as to what they should see and learn about. But yep. perhaps I'm just a far-right radical. And Jack Posobiec was there as well. He also gave a speech at one point up on the stage where he was talking about his wife comes from Eastern Europe, his family are largely Polish, and they know that with communism, the first thing they do is come for and indoctrinate the children to turn them against their parents to create a revolutionary constituency. And so he was drawing parallels between that and Pride Month. I suppose I can't say any more about that while we're on YouTube. And so if we, we see this video, they perform to nobody. <laughs> That's the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence there. And two people began booing. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you can hear. I saw in the two video. people clapping there as well. So, you know, yeah. 50% approval rating. <laughs> Higher than Joe Biden at this point. <laughs> That's true. And and if we go to this this next article, it turns out that they then lost Ooh. the largest amount in 125 years. So Demoralization there. Yeah. God's just nudging one of the angels. <laughs> Watch this. <laughs> it's like when it, the thundercloud opened up among the uh, above the George Floyd mural mm. and exclusively struck the George Floyd mural <laughs> and then dissipated into nothing. Don't tell me there's not something up there that has a sense of humour. But, but even someone who's not religious but like, well look, they were obviously massively demoralised because they had none of their supporters in the that, arena. Like, come on. You, you could phrase it as they didn't have the mandate of heaven. Yeah, you could phrase it quite, yeah. quite clearly. Yeah. If, we, if we pop onto the next one as well, of course the debunkers came to the rescue because oh, they said... Debunked? Yes, they, they actually said... Uh, a video posted by a conservative writer to Twitter, that's Savannah Hernandez, that received more than 4 million views, claimed the sisters were honoured to a mostly empty audience. Well, I mean, I saw the video. But they claim the Dodgers recorded an attendance of 49,000 people, slightly higher than its lead, league-leading average of 47,000. We're not saying they didn't sell the tickets. We're saying they weren't in the bloody stadium. Yes. And also, we're not saying that they weren't allowed in the stadium, some people, after to watch the game. What we are saying is that they weren't allowed to watch the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence performance. So, unfortunately, your fact check is, is not quite accurate. And if we go on to this one as well, we have Dick Masterson here, who I believe is a sports commentator and a, and a comedian at some point. And he's commented on Savannah Hernandez's video, why do people hate Christians? Because they're annoying. How so? Well, here they are blocking the entrance to a baseball game for 50,000 people during rush hour because an AIDS charity made fun of the child molesters they worship. Oh, really? Now, number one, I'd, I'd like to point out that Christians don't worship their priests because that would be idolatry. So that's just a, an issue of theology. Hmm. I'd also like to point out that the rates of molestation among priests versus public schools is a chasm of a disparity. And also... Any child molester that's in the Catholic Church, well, Catholics would like them to be dealt with. I think mm -hmm. that would be the, the, the Millstones verse in Matthew would probably outline what exact treatment we think they should get. 
But I just wanted to point out his characterization of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence as just an AIDS charity, bro. It's just an AIDS charity, bro. Well, do you want to see what kind of things they fund? Not really. If we go onto their website, <laughs> I'm gonna if you scroll to. down right to the bottom, John, one of the things they fund up, up a bit is Valid USA. Hmm. Valid USA provides education, gender-affirming clothing, and resources to transgender youth and young adults. Oh, does it? This grant goes to purchase chest binders and clothing for Californian students. Chest binders for teenage girls. Yeah, so so if we just remind ourselves of what chest binders can do, and this is a study from that was reprinted in Vice, broken down five years ago, before this became the mainstream narrative. 97.2% of those surveyed wearing chest binders reported at least one negative health outcome they attributed to binding. 74% reported pain-related concerns. The most common side effect was back pain, 53.8%, followed by overheating, 53.5%, chest pain, 48%, and shortness of breath, 46%, itching, 44%, and 50 respondents believe they suffered rib fractures as a result of binding. This can also lead to the malformation of breast tissue as it's developing and produce breast cancer. I've actually met someone that this happened to. I mean, it can't be good for you. No, no, it isn't. And so Dick Masterson has a bunch of tweets on his timeline complaining about big pharmaceutical companies. Hmm. I would suggest that the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence lead children down a road which makes them lifelong consumers of these companies. Mm -hmm. So you may not want to stump their awful behaviour. Just a hint, but all right. If we go to this next one. So the Catholics have been totally justified. Uh, this has led to a more widespread opposition throughout America, an uptake in social conservatism, and a more widespread belief that same-sex relations have become morally unacceptable. And this is, of course, because, as you said at the start, same-sex relations have been lumped in with the LGBTQ plus acronym. Now, yeah. this has been the way for quite some time. I think lots of people have overlooked the fact that the gay activists have always intended this to be the case. The likes of Harry Hay, for example, and Harry will be going more into that in a history video on behind the premium paywall somewhere down the line, so I won't steal his thunder. But but point being, are you surprised that this is going to be the backlash when you have taken it so far? If we scroll down to some of the graphs, please, John, we've got the numbers now. 41% approval, approval among Republicans for same-sex marriage and gay and lesbian relationships. That's minus 7% in a year. That's a pretty staggering drop-off, and I would assume that's because of the corporate examples of Bud Light or Target. And the, the overwhelming degeneracy of pride parades. Yeah, the amount of examples oh, from gender-affirming care hospitals that Matt like, Walsh why, has been producing on his Twitter timeline. Why can't you just walk in a hand-in-hand -in, -hand in suits? You know, look respectable and people might respect it. You know, do weird degenerate things in front of children in public and people are going to be like, yeah, I don't actually respect that. Yeah, I, if, I, I if, might disagree. If you want to talk about like representation as well, so what do you think you're representing when you make present that kind of behaviour in public in front of normal people? Like, what do you think you're representing? Yeah, I, I might disagree in, in principle with some elements of the lifestyle, but I'm not exactly looking to criminalise Douglas Murray. No. Like, I just don't really care there's nothing nothing that says a gay person can't dress respectfully and act yeah. respectably you yes. know? and so why are the worst elements of the gay community being paraded around as the most virtuous elements i don't understand it. well i think the reason is they know that what they're doing behind closed doors is sordid and gross and so that reflects their I'm not saying I, regular know, gay people i am saying the lgbt yeah. acronym that dressing up in fursuits and so <laughs> If they reflect that, that is how they're they're thinking of themselves. Mm. That bleeds over into their interactions with everyone else because they're constantly paranoid that someone's going to bring it up or someone's going to look down on them for it. And so what you need to do is you need to make the marginal mainstream to quiet their screaming consciences at themselves. And so they require constant affirmation and celebration so they don't feel as bad about what they really want to do. I mean, that is one theory. My, my, my theory is that they just don't hold any conservative values at this point. And so... Any values of propriety and decency have been just completely taken off the table. And so to them, I think that there is no gradient of good to bad between these behaviors. Yeah. I think they view all these behaviors as just, you know, a solid one. These are all fine. There's nothing wrong with any of them because I don't hold any other value system that would enable me to make a distinction between the worst and the best. You know, as far as I'm concerned, they're all the same. And therefore, why shouldn't I? You know, you're just being a bigot. And so to fight the bigots, we're going to take those things that are the worst, that they can't differentiate between, you know, decent behavior and indecent behavior, 
and say, well, then we'll just have that in order to fight the bigots. I, I think, but I think that's a strategic jettisoning. But also, I think that's within the internal logical consistency of the comprehensive liberal system you've discussed with mm. Stelios before, because you can't quantify autonomy or freedom. You can only constantly look for things that look to be an incursion on your freedom. Mm -hmm. And at this point, we've pathologized it to the point of where advice is equivalent to legislation stopping you from seeking your sordid yeah, desires. moral judgments. Yeah, so if someone has a social disapproval of you, they are oppressing you, and yeah. so you have to knock down every single socially disapproving sexual taboo in order to be a truly autonomous person. Yes, because and, and therefore anything that an autonomous person does is moral by like um by direct inference from the, this point yeah like there, there is just no differentiation between certain kinds of behaviors that these people can do and i just think that's totally wrong yeah it's a form of liberation theology yeah totally and it's mad and so are you shocked that republicans are going no thanks i'm not really keen uh, correlative to this i'm sure completely unrelated the death penalty is up five points as well well i'm in favor of death 82 percent up and it might be because of cases like this. I just thought we'd finish on this. Did you see the ACLU complaining the other day? I did. There was a Florida inmate called Dewan Owen. I think it's Dwayne. Dwayne. I, I'm fine disrespecting the murderer, frankly. They said that they were upset that Dwan Dwayne was not provided gender-affirming care towards the end of their life before they were executed by the state. And they were in custody for 30 years. And I love community notes. Because every time they add some well-needed context, Owen, turns out, in the legal papers that they were drafted, um, wrote, she, uh, they, they should be accorded the essence of human dignity and be allowed to become who she was meant to be. But who Owen was in life was a murderer who stabbed a 14-year-old girl, Karen Slattery, eight, uh, Slattery, Slattery sorry, 18 times, and then raping her corpse. And then also killed Georgiana Warden, 38, two months later with a hammer in Palm Beach County. So they have been on death row as one of the longest standing inmates on death row, yeah. awaiting murder for a young girl and an innocent woman while children were in the house both times. And the OCLU is mad that this person was not given gender-affirming care. Now, now, bear in mind, Owen's lawyers in their appeals tried to argue for the insanity plea. And psychiatrists that had evaluated Owen, said that they had faked schizophrenia and had no signs of gender dysphoria, but did have signs of sexual sadism. Okay. So this is a person clearly trying to manipulate the <clears throat> excessively compassionate, mm -hmm. autonomous framework of American secular liberalism mm. to get away with their egregious crimes under the guise of, but I'm really a woman and I must be granted license to be so. Yeah. Fortunately, this person was executed. And so I think the lowering tolerance for the LGBT Rainbow Brigade, I think the amount of turnout from people with Christian convictions to these protests is going up. And I think the support for legislative efforts like Ron DeSantis's in Florida, where child molesters are going to get the death penalty, and then they say, well, this is transphobic, as you pointed out, what an odd thing to say, is all downstream from you guys lumping all these identities together and then making the worst elements, the lowest common denominator, the defining tip of the spear as to what should be decriminalized mm. next. And so I hope you enjoyed sowing, because reaping is going to suck. Yep. <clears throat> right, well, the last thing we're going to talk about today is uh, the Conservative Party. They're not just evil, they're also stupid. And honestly, I think that's the thing that really annoys me the most. It's one thing, if, if there's a Machiavellian genius in charge, you'd be like, well, at least they're not incompetent, right? Well, you wouldn't be insulted at the fact that you've been outfoxed. Yeah, exactly, right? You're not, you're not insulted. You, know, you don't feel that really you should have known better, mm. you know? You, you can at least respect the, the, the dark magnificence of, the, the, of Sauron, right? But you can't do that with conservatives. They are just actually stupid and embarrassing. Uh, and it's actually... Just, it, embarrassing is pretty much the only way I can really frame it. It's just cringe. So when I went to National Conservative Conference, Steve Bray was outside every single day. Oh, yeah. Doing the typical Benny Hill music yeah. and placards. And one of the placards read, Stop the Tories. And quite, well, quite a few of the, the attendees of National Conservative Conference said, yeah, a few of the MPs inside are thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> they're so frustrated with the embarrassing state of their own party that they're kind of okay with the loss. Yeah, it, and the Conservatives really are embarrassing. Um, 
But uh, anyway, before we begin, go and support us at lowcities.com. Watch uh, Josh's part two of his Victorian Values uh, contemplation series, which is just fascinating because, I mean, you can see from the imagery there, these are much, uh, they, these are just a totally different kind of people to the people in charge now. But the people in charge now are just embarrassing. These were competent people who took their duty seriously and <laughs> had a lot of responsibility. Uh, we're run by idiots who don't take anything seriously. We are standing and, on the shoulders of a far better civilization. Like we yeah. couldn't even reconstruct their plumbing network if we tried. I mean, our civilization is something of a cargo cult of their civilization. You know, we go through the same motions, mm. but we don't get the same effects. Yeah, know, because we don't know why they did what they did. There's an essence missing from what uh, we do that they do. Uh, that they did. Anyway, so let's uh, let's talk about the lockdown parties because why not? It's everything that everyone has to talk about these days. Uh, the BBC in March put out a timeline. Uh, just as a quick thing, there were 14 parties. 14. Eight of these were found to be in breach of the rules. The rest weren't included or investigated in uh, the summary. So, 14 parties. It's when like a freshers' week. When you were, yeah, it's like a freshers' week. When you were locked in your home, 14 parties. And these are just the Conservatives as well, right? Uh, and so the Sue Gray reports about this came out in January 2022. Uh, from the conclusion, she says, a number of these gatherings should not have been allowed to take place or to develop in the way that they did. There's a significant learning to be drawn from these events, which must be addressed immediately across government. This does not need to wait for the police investigations to be concluded. Yeah, no kidding. Translation, we're going to have one scapegoat and everyone else is going to face no accountability. Yeah, I mean, like every, every single person who went to one of these parties should be fired as should every single person who voted for the lockdown restrictions in the first place. Well, yeah. I mean, th this could go further and further. So, I mean, eventually it would be the abolition of the Conservative Party, which the Hague is would be very full. a dream come true. Anyway, uh, Boris and Sunak were both at parties, obviously. Yep. Uh, and so they apologised and paid their £50 fines. I'm sure they were like, oh, God, that really stings. Do you know a couple of students, I think it was in Nottingham, got fined ten grand. Really? Yeah. Bloody hell. That hasn't well, been forgiven. Well, yeah, one one rule for one, one rule for another. Um, but, uh, yeah, <clears throat> as well as Carrie Johnson, of course. So they paid £150 between them. Right. It's justice, folks. It's how justice works. They lock you in your house, break the rules, and then get the lightest slap on the wrist. Uh, anyway, uh, by the 26th of May, uh, it became evident to a bunch of conservatives that, uh, hang on, this is a bit of a ticking time bomb, isn't it? This is making us look terrible. Is more going to come out about this? Is it going to make us look terrible, really bad? Michael Heseltine said uh, Johnson was painfully on the rack of uh, the cabinet office referrals, uh, referred him to Scotland Yard and Thames Valley Police over further violations at Chequers and Number 10. Uh, he actually, had, there was a sitting uh, this morning, I think it was, but I haven't had time to look at it. So there will be an update to this. Uh, Boris is probably in further trouble, kicked out of the party, or I don't know. They want to ban him from being able to go into the House of Commons. Yeah, they have. Yeah, they've, oh, they've, they've, they've voted, I think it was like 384 yes and then seven no's. Really? Yeah. Well, there so we go. He's, got no, he's got no ex-MP pass. Right, well, there we go. Boris is banned from the House of Commons. Um, can, I, can I just raise a point here that I'm yeah, brilliant yeah, about? This has become a ubiquitous narrative, yep. right? I am fine with Boris being jettisoned. Yeah, yeah. However... The framing that the media does is every time this story comes up, they find one person who has lost a parent or a sibling or yep. a child under lockdown, utterly tragic, yep. and they say, I am heartbroken because I can see these images of these people partying while I was not allowed to see my parent in hospital and hold their hand. Both of my grandmothers died in the lockdowns. Yeah, I know I know quite a few people that, that passed away as well. So it's it's brutal, and I'm, I'm yep. bloody sorry for that, mate. Um the point is, though, what they then go on to say, or, or the underlying premise of their argument is, if they would have just respected the rules more, yeah. more carefully. No, the Should rules were unjust in the yeah. first place. They were arbitrary, they were cruel, they were capricious, and they saved approximately 1,700 lives total at the highest possible estimate versus all of those they claimed from deaths of despair and other illnesses. Yeah. So. It is and not, not, not to talk about the delays for treatment in cancer oh, surgeries and all this sort of stuff. Heart attacks, like, the like. We, yeah. we, we do not know what the fullest extent of the damage of the lockdowns will be. And then you've got the, 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 the retardation of children's education, yeah. which is just, again, as a father, I, if you'd ask my, pet, my, my nans, are you okay to lock down the country so you might not die from COVID? And neither of them mm. died from COVID, by the way. Um, 
They would have said no. Yeah. Obviously, I don't want to damage my grandchildren's development. It's not unforgivable that they were partying while they set the rules in place. It's unforgivable that they ruined our lives for nothing and then laughed about it. And man, were they laughing. The mirror got the video. Let's watch. We can get the next one up. You can see. Oh, joy. In fact, John, can you play this with the sound on? Just so, just so. Um, Not have my friend. No. He started from the beginning. Just to sure we've got the whole thing. It's not her boyfriend. No. No. Can we spread that? can i can i also point out as well and this, this is, is like a scene from the office yeah which the, is what everyone noticed. Yeah. So, so one of the yeah, I know John. It is the one for the previous article. It's Sean Bailey's campaign it party. Is. Um, I'm sure you're going to say that people in here got honours later on. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. John, yeah. don't worry. I, I I've got it. Don't yeah. Worry. So 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 point being, um, I would like to say at the start, if you heard the narration, they're gossiping about the people dancing and they're saying yeah. that oh, that's that's not her boyfriend. Things like that. Oh, um, important. Well, how salacious. This is why I sort of in Westminster for a bit, but why I'd never want to return, never want to work in politics. Because these are the exact kind of people, I've probably been in a room with these people at some point, at a conference or something. These mm -hmm. are the exact kind of people that populate every single parliamentary office, think tank and the like. There are some a few good people in there, some I assume are good people, but they, they want to stab each other in the back. They all want to, they all want to whisper about each other and, and spread rumors yeah. and engage in feminine reputation destruction. And also they are only there for the piss up and they care nothing about the values they claim to espouse, whether or not the values are those unjust laws or whether or not they claim to be true conservatives on television while doing all sorts of substances behind the scenes. And they seem to be just deeply mediocre people. Yeah, they're all midwits. That's, Loads of them are midwits. I mean, it's so embarrassingly clear that these people are not the best and brightest. You know, like I said, it looks like a scene from The Office. Yeah. Like I expect Michael Scott or David Brent to just, you know, walk in, and it's just like, oh god. But the the worst part, really, of course, was when uh, the guy filming it, uh, someone says to him, "It's not going on Instagram Live, is it?" Mm. You know, we're not going to be showing that we're bending the rules, and everyone laughs. And it's like, right, you effing morons recorded your Christmas party. Yep. Like just, just this is it. it like, okay, if you're evil. Fine, as, at least be competently evil. Hmm. You know, I can at least respect a competent evil. But no, incompetent, retarded evil is just... I, it just really annoys me, you know. So the, the mirror gives us some details on this. There were 24 people there, uh, two named on Boris's uh, resignation honours list. Brilliant. I wonder if his hairdresser's on there. Yeah, she was. <laughs> the... the just, I just... Uh, got to remember, this was on the 14th of December 2020 when uh, the UK was barred from socialising indoors. Remember when they were like, yeah, so don't have Christmas parties yep. while they were having Christmas parties. Just saying. Uh, this, as you said, was the CCHQ Christmas party of Sean Bailey. Uh, and uh, the uh, the event was going on while everyone else was banned from it. Uh, this, If you go to the next one, this was uh, just before the Christmas lockdown rules, which were confirmed. Uh, three households were allowed to mix for up to five days in a plan to allow families to reunite at Christmas. Oh, do you remember when the government was so generous that they let, uh, let us met, meet with our loved ones at Christmas? That's I, so kind. I don't think I'm allowed to say on the internet that I broke these yeah. rules. So I didn't. Yeah. Um, bubbles were only able to gather in private homes, go to outdoor spaces, and attend places of worship together. Uh, but they were not able to meet in hospitality settings. So sure, baby was breaking the rules. Uh, Gove was asked about this on Sky and he was like, yeah, it's not a good look, is it? Doesn't, doesn't look great. He, uh, he said it was terrible and completely out of order. I mean, at least the dancing in the mirror video was substantially better than the dancing we've seen Michael Gove do on camera in an Edinburgh nightclub. I'm sure that's true, but at least he wasn't breaking the rules while he was doing it, right? Well, not those rules. Yeah. Uh, the fact that this party went ahead was indefensible, he told Sophie Ridge. Uh, I want to apologise to everyone who, uh, looking at the image, will think these people are flouting the rules that were put in place to protect us all. 
I'm they sure. Are. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sh- sorry if you perceived it that way. Well, they are. I'm sure those people feel contrite, or I hope they do. They don't. Uh, no, they don't. They don't feel no. in any way contrite. No, they're, they're, they're just angry they got caught. They're, yeah. And Gove is probably angry that they got caught as well. Yeah. Like, look, I have to go out. I have to be humiliated in front of the country because you prats couldn't just follow the rules that we set. Gove's like, I'm normally the worst PR disaster for the Conservative Party. How dare you steal my title? Gove's the one playing defence. It's like, what? (laughs) You're the one that... Okay. (laughs) So who was at the party? The Guardian has the details. Uh, Basically, it's a bunch of uh, posh prats. That's all Conservative Party staffers. I hate, yeah. to, hate to break yeah. it to you. <laughs> like, literally, this is, like, it's, it's a bunch of uh, trust fund kids or... I'm just shocked to see a man dancing with a girl there. Well, that is Jack Smith and Marlon Brogue. Uh, Smith is the one pictured in a festive jumper and green trousers, and uh, Marlon Brogue was wearing the dress to Fairy Tale of New York, and uh, the uh, they were dancing in front of a sign that said, please keep your distance. How ironic. <laughs> Smith is a parliamentary aide to the Conservative Energy Minister, Graham Stewart. As far as I'm aware, he still has a job. Should be fired. All of these people should be fired. Uh, Bogue is the daughter of the wealthy businessman, uh, a wealthy businessman from San Francisco. Uh, and uh, she worked for Johnson's campaign and she was paid by uh, an Indian industrialist. Uh, and you can see that they're just a bit, bunch of rich, well-connected idiots. Yep. Like actual midwits who are just there because they were born lucky. But I don't want you to go away from this thinking, well, the Conservatives terrible. Oh, the Labour Party would never... Yeah, they all broke the rules too. Yeah. Right? They all broke the rules. All of them, right? I hate this. They all broke the rules. Col- Corbyn broke the rules multiple times. And the thing is, I don't even disagree with him breaking the rules. The rules were terrible. <laughs> like, jo- Jeremy Corbyn had a dinner party with like seven people. We were supposed to have six people. Totally arbitrary number. Totally unjust. I don't even think Jeremy Corbyn's in the wrong here. Well, his defense, <laughs> Diane Abbott does count as two. <laughs> uh, Starmer broke the rules, but he got away with it because of technicalities. Uh, Starmer was at, uh, uh, he was campaigning, you see. Right? Oh, yeah. And so, and so Starmer, when he had a party with the people he was campaigning with, and they were having beers and eating curry, that, you know, they weren't, they weren't, they weren't following the guidance, but they, it was necessary for work activities. Oh, they'd had a long day. Yeah, and it was, it, but it was necessary work, and so they were okay. So Starmer didn't get fined. What a, what a brilliant technicality, you know. I mean, it, all it really is is about interpretation by the authorities. Mm. And the police were like, well, you're the Labour Party, so we're going to interpret it in your favour. By the way, this Starmer beer gate inquiry cost 100k. It's just a hundred pound. Again, there's a video of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a video of it. Yeah, taken through the window. Yeah. So we know it happened. So we, yeah, we why, know. He's... Why is he not paying some bereaved lockdown family hundred quid, hundred grand? Why isn't he paying the fifty quid that Boris and Sunak had to pay? But no, he, on a technicality, no, we were campaigning, so this was necessary work. Uh, so uh, I'm going to drink my beer and eat my curry and hang out with my staffers. Uh, but then even the guy behind the lockdowns broke them. Neil Ferguson, the guy yeah. who created lockdowns in the UK. He went and saw his mistress and broke them. It's like... So did Rosie Duffield, didn't she? she yeah. Was, she was cheating on her fella. Just everyone. Everyone broke these, right? Matt Hancock. Yeah, Matt Hancock. Famously. Yeah, famous. Despite wanting to arrest Nigel Farage for sitting in a pub. Amazingly, there was a woman who wanted to kiss Matt Hancock. <laughs> like, no, I'm genuinely shocked at it. And somehow he couldn't do that without breaking the rules. So, okay, the fine. most depressing part of lockdown is that Matt Hancock did better than I did under lockdown with women. Yes, that is depressing for you. Um... <laughs> But there is one person who didn't break the lockdown rules, and that's Andrew Bridget, of all things, all people. You know, uh, goodest boy who gets kicked out of the Conservative party for, party for being a decent chap. By Matt Hancock. By Matt Hancock, yeah, exactly. Uh, was, <laughs> was invited to two drinks parties at number 10 and uh, refused both times, apparently. Good for him. And, uh, of course, things are going downhill for Rishi Sunak because another MP has quit. But the point is, this is a massive storm over really petty things that should never have happened. The Conservatives should just never have done this. These were totally avoidable rookie mistakes that they have made. And I'm not sad that they're getting absolutely canned. Can I annoy you even further? No. You know what Sue Gray's doing now? No. Senior Labour advisor. Immediately appointed <sighs> one of the senior Labour advisors by Keir Starmer. Big club, we're not in it. I hate this. I hate the politics of this country. Um, but anyway... So yeah, th- I mean, the Conservatives, th- this is just destroying, they- they've got no reputation left to destroy. Everyone hates them. They're on like 24% in the polls. 
they're going to get an absolute wipeout. It's good, and it's going to be historic as well, right? Tony Blair's was the biggest win in 1997, 418 seats, biggest win ever in all of parliamentary history. Uh, somehow Keir Starmer is going to beat that, and it's not really somehow. It's that the Conservative parties deserve the absolute wipeout they're going to get. Polls at the moment are predicting, look, if there's an election tomorrow, then the Conservatives are going to have something like 130 seats. And it's just, and the, 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 the Labour Party will be on like 450 to 480, something like that. It's just like, that is un, unprecedented. In, inconceivable, merely in 2019, right? In four years, the Conservatives have destroyed everything. And so, get what they deserve. I'm not going to be sad when it happens. No, with that, we've got no comments today because this is pre-recorded, isn't yes, it? But you'll you'll see why, and I think you'll approve. Lots of good things still to come. Yes. But thanks very much, Cole. Anytime. Pleasure as always. We'll be back tomorrow at one o'clock. Until then, take care and goodbye.